0: Good afternoon everyone, it's Kate Mack coming at you from Halifax, Nova Scotia on a beautiful hot and sunny afternoon. So I just finished playing tennis with a friend of mine and wow, it's a good thing we scheduled a morning practice because it's hot out there today. (laughs) It's hot. Uh, Yeah, it's been like hovering around 12 degrees for the last few months and today was a scorcher. I think it was around 26 degrees, supposed to go up to 30 with the... It feels like they're with the humidity. Yeah, so, yeah, tennis is one of and or possibly my favorite sport. It's a frustrating game, but I think what I like most about it is that it forces you to be present when you jump on the court. So, like, if I'm having a bad game or a bad, bad practice, I have to decide right there, whether I'm right there and then whether I'm going to ditch whatever I'm thinking about or have a semi-good time out there. And you know, you don't wanna have a semi-good time out there. It takes a lot of mental preparation and work to get ready and go. And to kinda show up, you know? It's hard to stop what you're doing in the middle of the day and say, I'm going to play tennis, you know? And of course, tennis is a game which forces you to also be kind and patient with yourself, too. If you're not having a good game, You know, you have to be very self-disciplined in readjusting your frame of thinking for the next one, for the next game. It's It's like a life skill, a very valuable life skill. Yeah, to be kind to yourself, that's hard sometimes. So anyways, wow, so much has happened since my last podcast three weeks ago. It's amazing how much can happen, even in a week or a day sometimes. In a day, yeah. So this week, my thoughts especially went out to victims of the residential schools in Canada. I'm sure you've all been hearing about the tragic discovery of 215 Indigenous children found buried in a mass grave in Kamloops, BC. Just tragic. Um, that was really difficult to hear this week. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, on a lighter note, Uh, Nova Scotia this week we ended our month-long lockdown there were crowds of people out walking along the waterfront big groups of people hanging out in parks and the patios were packed so I hear I was playing tennis and I I could just feel the crowds you know you could hear things that you weren't used to hearing and there were crowds like it felt like crowds but there were probably just people hanging out you know yeah I'm, I'm so used to not hearing or seeing large cra- excuse me crowds everyone was so excited and happy to be out socializing again yeah so I, I really think it's great that people are getting out and socializing it's, it's great for business owners it's great for everyone yeah but I have to be honest personally I am not I'm not dying to get out I'm not dying to get out And I'm pretty sure that's because I'm around and or talk to people all day at work. (laughs) I think that's why. Yeah. So like after work I can I can listen to music or sit in silence for all I care. That's exciting for me. (laughs) To just have silence or music. Yeah. (sighs) Sad. Oh jeez. Yeah. So speaking of work, I'm no longer teaching online. I'm back in the classroom, and what an unexpected shift that was. Mm. So, right now I'm just hoping the cases will continue to go down, so that we can stay there until the end of this month. We shall see, we shall see. So, you know, this has been such a strange and difficult year for the entire world. Yesterday, when I was out running, I was trying to think of material for my seventh podcast today, my seventh episode. It was hard to think of something, but one theme that kept repeating through my head was the theme of democracy. I don't know. It just kept coming up. Like, you know, it just kept repeating in my head and, you know, question the question kept coming up. The questions kept coming up, like, what is democracy how do we know we are living in a democracy? And what do we need to do as citizens to ensure democracy represents and serve the be- serves the best interests of everyone? And I have to say before I begin and get into it that I think it's really great that Canadians have been wearing their masks and making efforts to protect one another throughout the pandemic. It, it, it's, it's very difficult to do um, to wear a mask all the time while you're serving others and uh, out and about um, you know when you're not working from home but it is one small thing that people can do to protect each other I think, I think it's great you know so and it really goes to show how much confidence people in our country have for um, you know in the decisions that are being made yeah, yeah. so in my very first podcast, I, um, I quoted Winston Churchill's take on democracy as a, you know, his quote here, quote the, the he quotes, excuse me, so he quotes um, democracy as being the worst form of government except for all the others. The worst form of government except for all the others. So what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a history major. And I, I always revert back to history to answer questions like these and to make attempts to make sense of what's going on in the world. It's been a lot of confusing stuff happening in the last six years. Yeah. So I think, I really feel that, I really think that history will tell you that, you know, time after time, and again, there is proof that democracy is the only form of government that works, so to speak. Y- you can't have people making decisions for you. It, it just doesn't work that way. The need for humans to express themselves and to be heard is very real. So I love history and studying human behavior. I think history plays such a vital role in informing us and in helping us to make better decisions today. And as the old saying goes, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, it's true. So again, yesterday when I was out running, I kept thinking about the past year and thinking over and over and asking myself, what is democracy? So, by definition, democracy is a system of government by the whole population, or all the eligible members of a state, typically through elected representatives. Hmm. The whole population through elected representatives. Hmm. So, whenever I think about democracy, I always think about case-and-point examples of political systems that haven't worked in the past. And there are many. When I went to Dell, I took a lot of courses about Soviet Russia, Soviet Russia, and Russian history. I think one of the most fascinating aspects of that country's history is that no matter how much the government tried to repress human expression and control the state, you know, through fear or force, people always found a way to kind of come out of it and express themselves. Like, can you imagine living in a state where one's writing had to be officially approved? Where writing was not a tool for human expression and opinion, but rather a tool for propaganda? That's, that's just scary. That, that's frightening to me, you know? Like, you wouldn't be able to trust anyone in your country let alone your government. So it is fascinating how people living in the Soviet Union took it upon themselves to smuggle in what was considered, smuggle in and out what was considered forbidden literature. Others had to rewrite compositions to suit a certain set of ideals. And like I said, a lot of artists had to smuggle the work outside of Russia to have it published, Soviet Russia to have it published. Boris Pasternak was one of them. So Boris Pasternak, just to give you a little bit of background here, uh, Boris Pasternak was a Russian poet and writer born in 1890 before the onset of the uh, Communist Revolution. He's particularly famous for his novel published in 1957, Dr. Zhivago, a romantic historical fiction about a Russian poet's personal experiences during the Communist Revolution. Now, apparently, the script for his novel was rejected by the USSR when he wrote it, and it was smuggled into Italy for publication. Wow. Having to, I've heard of other things being smuggled for the, you know, but I've never, like to me, smuggling a piece of literature, wow. That's that's something that says a lot, and like according to research here, the author won a Nobel Nobel Prize for Literature in 1958, and quote, enraged the communist uh, excuse me, enra- quote, er, enraged the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So it really begs one to ask how a romantic story like that could enrage anyone, like especially from a guy who experienced the revolution firsthand. I've read the book, and I have the movie. I've watched the movie several times, and the story is fantastic, and the music is wonderful. Both the book and movie are excellent for different reasons. And thank goodness he got that script smuggled into Italy because he died three years after it was published. Isn't that something? So it goes to show how powerful art can be in expressing and communicating ideas even in the most oppressive regimes. So another good example I often use for myself to reflect on is the graffiti found on pieces of the Berlin Wall constructed in 1961. You know, it was, you all know it was constructed to divide East and West Berlin. A physical structure representing division among people and ideas. Kind of makes you want a barf, eh? Yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, you like, you're like <laughs> you know it's over when you have to build a wall to cage people in and keep people out. You know, like, you know it's over when 300,000 people try to escape and risk their lives doing it. Like when citizens feel compelled to jump into barbed wire and out of their apartment windows to escape where they live. I think that says everything about the well-being and transparency of that society. Yeah, pretty pretty heavy stuff here. Sorry about that. So in my last episode, I was telling you all about how I've been enjoying exploring my local parks and reflecting on fascinating landmarks in Atlantic Canada. And yeah, get this, you won't believe this, but there are actually sections of the Berlin Wall in my hometown, Truro. That display impressed me even when I was a kid. You know, like I jogged past it on my way into town or into the heart of Aturo. It's pretty cool. Apparently, there are slabs to the wall on display all over the world to serve as a reminder of the past. To remind everyone that you can't crush the human spirit. So, yeah. So, yeah, there are pieces on display in the Philippines, in Manila. South Korea, London, Washington, D.C. And you can actually buy pieces of the Berlin Wall at the Checkpoint Charlie Museum in Berlin and online. So you can buy pieces of freedom online. That's really something. So apparently people love freedom. There you go. Now, well, seriously, though, it goes to show how strongly, strongly people around the world feel about preserving a symbol of freedom. You know, about preserving democracy, in my opinion. About preserving a system that represents the people, and not just a select few. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as you all know, the wall had to come down officially in 1989, because the people were just not willing to keep living in the dark, with restrictions placed on their freedom. Look, people can't live like that. You know, they just can't. People people need to express themselves, feel heard, and have a sense of ownership in the construction of their future. So I know I'm talking a lot about, I'm using Soviet Russia as a huge example today, but this is actually really neat. I have to tell you about this. There's this, if you are interested in researching the history of Soviet Russia or Russia, there's a really great book called Autopsy for an Empire. It's written by Dmitry Volkogonov. Probably didn't pronounce that right. Uh, I apologize for that. Volkogonov, a Soviet-Russian historian and a former head of the Soviet military psychological warfare department. Wow. So in this book, he discusses each leader during the Soviet-Russian era and the gradual demise of the political system in Soviet Russia. Yeah. So he was born in 1928 this means he was in the thick of the revolution. Being 20 in 1948, that would do it. So apparently he had access to secret Soviet archives before and after the USSR was broken up. According to sources, he was very much for the communist regime throughout the bulk of his career, but quote, repudiated communism in the Soviet system within the last decade of his life as he said, quote, as I saw more closed Soviet archives archives, as well as the large Western collections at Harvard University, Lenin's profile altered in my estimation. So it's funny how you can believe in one thing for such a long time and then shift your thinking once you learn more information. And it really goes to show how important it is to have all the facts before you make a decision or form an opinion about something. So there are many examples of countries that have struggled with their governments in the past and that are still struggling with them today. I reflected on Russia's history today to talk about democracy because it it is an effective case in point in my opinion. You know, I mean, like you do have to be careful when comparing things Sometimes historical comparisons are flawed. But there are many moving parts and different facts to consider. You know, it goes to show. And, like, I think the universal truth that we can all decide on is that people need to feel involved. And they need to trust their government. They need to trust that their government is, you know, reflecting their interests as a whole. So with that being said, I think being a leader is very difficult. I think it's very difficult because it's virtually impossible to please everyone. I mean, can you imagine being a leader during a global pandemic? There are so many people experiencing different challenges in their life right now and who want and really need different things. I would think it would be pretty tough to make decisions that serves everyone's agenda, especially right now. So, seeing I think that seeing the big picture is a skill that leaders must have to make big decisions. When leaders are representing a group of people, they need to have as much information as possible to make big decisions. You know, they may not like some of the information they hear or receive, but I really, you know, they must at least be able to consider it to make responsible decisions that inevitably end up, inevitably end up impacting everyone. So all of the best mentors I've had in my career op- operate in this fashion. They have meetings and ask people what they think. They want to know. Good leaders want to know what people think. You know, and sometimes sometimes leaders make decisions that aren't always popular. But I do know that good leaders always want to know what everyone is thinking to make an effective decision. You know, that's democracy. That's democracy. And like I know, I'm going to go on about Barack Obama. You guys know I love Barack Obama. I really admire his outlook on things. He's got a very good head on him. He, he's always maintaining his perspective when he makes decisions. He always maintains his perspective. He always puts everything into perspective, you know? That's a skill. That is a skill. He even considers the opinions of people he doesn't agree with. Well, he, he always he always considers the opinions of everybody, but like people who, I mean, are unruly and who are not contributing in the way that they they might, you know, people who are unruly and not being productive citizens, maybe I could say it that way. Um, But I really like his, his, his take on things. He's like, he says that you may try really hard to make change when you're out there, and you may not always get what you want. But if you don't express yourself or even try, you're not you're not going to have a chance. So I say at the very least, get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. And if you have it in you, do a little research. Do a little research, you know? So, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, I always ask myself, like, I always ask you know, what are you doing to ensure your voice is heard and to ensure that other people's voices are heard? How are you contributing? Are you voting when you have the chance? And, yep, here it comes. You have to always be asking not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I'm sorry. I just had to quote JFK. I'm talking about democracy, and yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's right where I'm going to stop. And let me tell you, nobody's perfect, and it's easy to take your take your society for granted, your demo, your democracy. Excuse me, your democracy for granted. Yeah, I have a shameful story, and you know, you can only learn things by doing so in my opinion, or, so, yeah, so a long time ago, when I was younger, um, when I was in my (laughs) early 20s, (laughs) I was on summer break, and, um, I had this, like, idea that I was going to become, a a radio DJ at this really cool station, local station, downtown Halifax, and, uh, in order to become a DJ, it was very straightforward and simple to do. You had to volunteer for six hours. So just to give me some credit here, guys, the summer vacation is not very long. The summer is not very long. And I was in my early 20s. I really love music. So I think that was kind of what motivated me to do this, to volunteer and try to become a DJ. But I have to tell you it didn't last long. I uh, it was terrible. It, it was really kind of cool. I got to learn about like a lot about the way um, it was really cool. I lear- I got to learn about how uh, radio personnel, I guess you'd call them queue up the records and I got to learn a lot about how where records are stored and how they're alphabetized and how much uh, music music like uh, radio stations have to play so like, the, the guy was really cool and funny when he was explaining it to me. He's like, okay, Kate, like, you have to be, you, like, when you're here, you can play whatever you want in terms of music, but you have to make sure that it's, like, 60% Canadian. <laughs> so he's like, you can play, like, a Canadian polka, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's Canadian. You're good. You're covered. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. It was, anyway, the, the the, the the story goes is that you know like I, w- I was up to like two and a half hours of volunteer work I had about three to go and about three and a half to go and um, I was cutting these pamphlets out and filing records um, there's a lot of music out there I have to say there's a lot of music out there <laughs> um, but it, this I got this phone call from this from this cute musician that I really liked at the time and off i went so yeah that's shameful but you know nobody's perfect and you know i have to say i was saying i think i've said this in my podcast before that i really have started to to just you know i've really started to think about my role as an active citizen especially over the last few years here it's been a very turbulent uh six years. So yeah, so that's my that's my shameful story of being being uh taking my taking my democracy for granted. Um yeah. So today's podcast was a serious one. But you know, I think democracy is an important concept to discuss um to with uh with young students, uh everybody, uh elders in our society, everybody. You know it's It's hard to go somewhere if you don't have a map, yeah, so um so i'm gonna get I'm gonna get going here for today I'm gonna stop stop uh st- stop this uh this long this long winded podcast uh, but i I really do hope you've enjoyed today's episode despite the seriousness of it all. I think the whole world needs to take a deep breath and laugh right now, yeah. So, you know, I have to say, I must say before I go, how nice it is to have the lockdown behind us and to see people out enjoying themselves. It still surprises me how kind people can be even in the midst of a pandemic. Like, I went on a 12-kilometer run yesterday, and I was dying of thirst at 7K. Yeah, you, you know what I did. I had to shamefully line up at a Tim Hortons coffee shop on the corner of Roby and Young Street, I was like, Oh, please let me get a nice cashier. <laughs> it was I was like thinking in my head, how am I gonna say this? Like I want something for free <laughs> So it was finally my turn. I said, I'm so sorry to trouble you, sir, but I'm parched and I was wondering if I could get a cup of tap water. He was so nice. He's like, Would you like ice in that? <laughs> I love this city. I love this city. What a nice guy, made my week. So, if you're at Tim Hortons in Halifax on the corner of Young and Roby, give Tracy a big tip. Give a big tip. So, I'm really looking forward to being more consistent in broadcasting these podcasts when school school ends, when the school year ends. There's so much to struggle right now, for sure. And I will certainly be sure to keep you all updated on my journey to the Rogers Cup this summer. You never know what could happen. You never know what could happen. There's you know, yeah. Oh dear. Now I I really better get going. So I hope that wherever you are, that you're keeping well and finding small joys in everyday life, pandemic or no pandemic. As always, be sure to reach out and share your opinion or if you just want to give me a shout out on your end, that would be awesome. I always love to hear your feedback and just have people drop in and say hi. So, you know, until next time, be well, be safe, and spread the kindness. Bye-bye for now.